All right, everyone, we are back for episode three of the Tactical Yanks podcast. And we're definitely slower here than we are on YouTube. We put more episodes on YouTube in a week than we have already in this podcast in three weeks. <laughs> As of now, this is just a weekly show that we upload every Tuesday. I am yeah. your host slash co-host, Filippo Silva from Tactical TV. And I'm joined by the other host slash co-host. <laughs> we're both just co-hosts. <laughs> we're just co-hosts. Pete, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I um. I'm feeling good after yesterday's win, obviously. My knee took a bit of a bobble this morning when I was walking again, so I'm giving it some more rest and making videos and content on YouTube and, and podcasts for everybody. So thank God I have a job where I don't have to walk that much for this stuff. Did the MRI results come back? I'm still waiting for the insurance to approve it. they like saying it takes a week for the insurance to approve your MRI, and so they said it should be today or tomorrow. Hopefully this week I can get it done because I need to find out what's going on. The but insurance I, might just be waiting it for it to magically heal. Dude, my, don't get me started on my insurance. I'm going to have to have words with them. <laughs> but, but Pete, there's a lot to talk about today. And as we always say, we're going to go through the topics beforehand just to let everyone know what we're going to talk about. One will be obviously the United States men's national team defeating Panama 5-1. I was at the mm -hmm. game in the stadium, so I'll give you guys my perspective there. And Pete will give his from watching the game outside, which we haven't talked much about this game actually. No. And then we'll talk about CONCACAF World Cup qualifying as a whole, a little bit of the World Cup group stage draw since the United States, look, I don't care what people say, we're qualified. So yeah, I'm gonna, I, we're also going to preview that Costa Rica game. Yeah, we'll talk about Costa Rica, uh, CONCACAF. And then towards the end of this, maybe the last 25% of this, we're going to go through the Common Ball qualifiers and the UEFA qualifiers. I follow the Common Ball one very closely, so I'll be able to give a good perspective on that. And I follow the UEFA as a fan, so I kind of saw the the Portugal game, and we'll address yeah. it a little bit. But mostly Concacaf and Common Ball today. Yeah, we're gonna also be talking a little bit about why Italy didn't make the World Cup again because I have they're finished. On that. No, they're not finished. <laughs> <laughs> they're finished. Certainly not a good look to miss it twice in a row for a team like Italy. But well, yeah. look at it. Before we even start that, just look at Italy, the past World Cups, right? They won in 2006, then 2010, group stage, 2014, group stage, twice, group stage. Then 2018, don't make it. 2022, they don't make it. I mean, th th that sounds pretty finished to me. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the counter argument to that will be, well, they won the Euros. So I think the real question to answer is why? Why is Italy doing so poorly? You know, how do you mm -hmm. win the Euros six months ago? And then come to this. And I think, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But let's get started with the United States. And everyone, before we start also, as we always request, and eventually we're going to stop requesting this, uh, just because we just started. Yeah. If you could kindly leave a review, we would truly appreciate it. We'll read it next week. We'll read some new reviews next week, next week's yeah. episode. So drop a review, hopefully five stars. If you don't give a five stars, there's nothing we can do about it anyway. But Pete, United States 5, Panama 1. I have a lot of thoughts in this game. First, I was happy about it, but you watching <laughs> it from home on TV, all your thirst, first thoughts on this. And this is like the first time we talk a lot about it. Yeah. I mean, I think that the way that Panama played, played right into our hands, right? Under Greg Berhalter, this team has always struggled to break down a low block, right? We talk a lot about having the ball, wanting possession, right? Wanting to break down opponents, use our skill, all those things. <clears throat> but in practice, we're so much worse at that than we are playing in transition. Panama had to win this game. On top of that, and Rogelio Mitre said this to me on the preview, Panama doesn't know how to play in a low block. Thomas Christensen has set them up to be an attacking team. And so they came after us. And that's fine. That's what they had to do right? Maybe. I probably wouldn't have gone that way as their coach, knowing the U.S. But that played right into our hands because it allowed us to absorb pressure and hit them on the counterattack, hit them in transition. And if you look at five goals, two were set pieces, but those set pieces were one off of transitions. Another one was a transition, Pulisic's third goal. And only one goal was actually scored in the run of play. Panama had 61% possession. They had more possession than we did. Didn't matter at the end of the day. Although I know some people think that possession is is the most important thing, uh, our coach <laughs> they were would they, they were dominant, correct? Uh, were they he's dominant? Ne he's never. Greg should have said this in the press conference. He's never se seen such a dominant team lose five one away. 
Panama was so dominant. And to be fair, they played well, but up until the final third, they didn't have the quality to really capitalize on the chances that were created or even some of the chances that we gave up. But, you know, kudos. We'll take it, right? We It played into our hands, and we spiked them over and over again in transition, and ultimately that's how we got our win. That, to me, is the basic fundamentals of what happened. What I'm wondering about what you were talking about, transition and playing in possession. So when you're playing possession and you're holding possession of a team, it kind of requires your players to be creative and have some flair and freedom to create Mm -hmm. because it's very hard to to use instructions of what to do under those cases. Well, in transition, usually it's a team with more instructions, right? You have a plan for when you attack in transition. You go very quick and try to hit them very quickly. I wonder if because Greg is a coach that loves to give instructions, a lot of instructions, mm-hmm. when we play in transition, maybe those instructions are more easily digested by the players and it kind of works better. Yeah. While when we're in possession and he instructs them so much with these those PowerPoints that he very much loves so much, yeah. if that kind of like stagnates our progress as a possession-based team that tries to create something, right? Yeah. It's something to talk about. Is it is it because our player pool fits more transition, or is it because the way Greg coaches that might be the best way to go about it? And maybe we'll even see a much more effective United States team in the World Cup if we play that way under Greg. Yeah, uh, and we'll so that's out. really really going to be it. I think at a World Cup, you know, we're going to be absorbing a lot more pressure against most of the teams we play and hitting them in transition. Now, transition doesn't mean we have to bunker. Okay, let me let me clarify. Just because you're you're playing in transition doesn't mean you have to bunker. It means maybe you win that ball in midfield. Maybe you win it around the halfway line, and then you quickly attack them before they can set up. When teams are coming at you, their players are high up the field. So when you win it, you can exploit space. To your point, we do have players who can exploit space, right? Luca De La Torre, Christian Pulisic, uh, Gio Reyna, you know, Tim Weah. Guys like that are very good at exploiting space. But when you're playing against a low bunker, you don't a low bunker, you don't have much space, right? You have very little space, and so it's just more difficult. And you need very good players, and you need a very free flowing, fluid system that allows us to be to be able to occupy and take advantage of space quickly. Because you don't have time in the low bunker, right? Right? You're attacking a bunker that gives you very little time, and you have to be quick and skillful and incisive. And we're not always that for lots of reasons. When someone parks the bus, yeah, you need one, your players need to have freedom to do whatever they want, use their instincts and figure it out right there. And then you need also all the talent that can do that, right? It's not every type of player. I do think we also have players that are more than capable of breaking up low blocks. Maybe the World Cup will force Greg to play a certain way and it might just work. And when I say just work, for Christ's sake, please. Not saying we're going there to win the World Cup. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that my work is we have overachieved in the past, right? And right. maybe get a quarterfinals, which that wouldn't really be an overachievement for this generation, but it's it would be a good achievement, a fantastic yes. achievement. Yes. Um I think now, it should be our goal. A good target would be the quarterfinals in Qatar. Now, Pete, a couple of thoughts I had in this game, uh, being there at the stadium, right? And it's completely different when you're watching right. a game in the stadium, when you're watching at home. Both are wonderful experiences, but uh, it's just that watching the stadium, it's more rare. You watch most games at home. Me too. Like every, most people watch more games at home, I'd assume. A couple of things I noticed. First was when the game ended and I was talking to people around me just to see if it wasn't just me, it, it didn't feel like a 5-1 to me. Right. It felt it felt like it felt like we deserved the win. We scored. All the goals were fair, but it almost felt like Panama wasn't that much worse. Right. It felt like maybe it should have been a closer win. And because the way I put it is this. If I come up to you, Pete, and you didn't watch the game and I go, Pete, we beat Panama 5-1. That screams dominance. Yeah. That just screams like, oh, God, you guys ran over them. It's like it didn't feel that way watching the game. Right. They had. When it was 1-0, Jedi Robinson made a save during the box from a mistake that he started. But yeah. regardless, that could have been 1-1. That changed the whole dynamics of the game. We know soccer can is a, is a game that's a lot driven by momentums and little things in the game that change it completely. Tyler Adams had an amazing block in the second half that was a shot that was on target. Who knows if that was going to go, even though it was 4-0 by then also. But Panama wasn't bad. And even until we scored the first goal, Panama looked fairly decent. Um, yeah. Besides in the final third, they looked good um so 
nonetheless to say, I'm fine with the win. But there was an interesting moment in the game that I think it didn't really show on TV. Um, talking to people too, it was so Greg does. So the first thing to make it clear, Greg does a lot more bounce passes than you actually see on TV. Believe it or not. <laughs> He does more. He does more. I'll, I'll tell you something. The first half, I was observing that because I was like, I want to see this. And I was really focusing on Greg a few times. And he did four bounce passes that I saw. Mm-hmm. And then I just stopped seeing it in a second because I stopped looking at Greg at that point. I was just like, I can't deal with this anymore um, in terms of like, it, it just it's just a weird behavior. Um, it, it's not a big deal, but it's just so weird to see. There was this weird moment where he got the ball and he did, I think it was like a behind the back, very aggressive behind the back bounce pass. Who is he and passing ref- it to? I couldn't see. I think it was the Panamanian player, actually. Oh, okay, for a throw in. Yeah, and the ref came and yelled at him like very badly. Yeah, uh, we didn't see that in the game. They didn't show that on TV. Yeah, I don't know if he said something to the ref. I don't know what it was. What it looked like to me when I was seeing it, it was it looked like the way he threw the ball, it was like a very aggressive bounce pass, which he does those. We've seen it before. <laughs> the ref might have thought he was angry with the call, and he just threw the ball down with anger. And, and then someone has to go to the ref and just say, come on, calm down, ref, calm down. He does that. He behaves that way, okay? Yeah. I don't know if he said something. It doesn't seem like it's a Greg thing to say something, at least from what we've seen. Besides that one time in Gold Cup that he yelled at the, the ref, which I, I still don't understand that either. Yeah. Uh, but that was a funny moment of the game. One thing I noticed too, which, I mean, on TV you can see this, but at the game you see sometimes off the play, yeah. was Tyler Adams is the leader of this team. And you could see it. Every mistake someone would uh, make, he was the one calling it out and motivating the person that would make the mistake. Yeah, uh, he was the one picking up his teammates. Uh, he was the leader. You can just feel it when you're watching it. So, when we talk about Tyler and Acosta, that I even saw sometimes people saying that maybe we should put Acosta. It's not just about the quality as a player, mm-hmm. which I think Tyler is better than Acosta in almost everything um, as a player. There's also that aspect to it, right? Which is something you don't teach someone. Someone has that or not. And Tyler looked like a straight up leader in that game. Yeah. Right. Pulisic looked feisty, but Tyler looked like a true leader uh, yeah. when I was watching in the match. Besides that, um, it was a fun experience. Uh, the crowd was great. It looks like the United States really enjoys playing in Orlando, Pete. Nine goals in two games. Yeah, yeah. It was another dominant performance over Panama, at least in terms of scoreline. Yeah. I think 2017, correct me if I'm wrong, in terms of performance, I think we were more dominant that game. Probably, yeah. Yeah. It was easy. Well, this game was also fairly easy if we talk about it in, in terms of goal scoring, but I, it just felt like we were a little bit more dominant in the game. But but those are the things I observed in the match. I, I think um, also one thing to address is we saw a lot of people on Twitter, mostly like the MLS propaganda accounts, talking about how we need to like apologize to Ariola or I want I don't want to hear more sl- look slander about Ariola. Look, listen, we recognize that Ariola had a good game uh, yeah. for the, the amount of time he was there. yeah for the amount of time and i think he got a little injured he got hit in the i don't know if that affected him at all or the plan was to put giovanni reina in already yeah. probably was to put geo I, I i don't know and i'll tell you one thing i think maybe the plan wasn't to put geo because when they all went to the locker room acosta stayed alone warming up and mm. geo was there but then Gio came before the other players. So maybe in the locker room, Ariola wasn't really feeling it. They sent Gio. That's something I saw at the game. Gio came back after Acosta, like at least 10 minutes after, close to it. So maybe that was it. Yeah. But look, the problem with Ariola is not that if you give him 30 games, you're going to get a good game out of him, especially in CONCACAF against yeah. opponents that are weaker than MLS clubs sometimes. Yeah. So, that's what happened. He had a great game and uh, for the 45 minutes he was there. Congratulations to him. Thank you to him, too, because he helped us get the win. Yeah. But the, the dude, like, the, how many good performances has he had the past two or three years for the United States? Well, just for context, this guy's a winger, an attacking forward. He, it, he had had 15 games before Panama where he hadn't scored a goal, 15 competitive games. He had 13 games before Panama without an assist. So eventually, if you keep giving somebody time and chances, yeah, they will get a goal and they'll eventually put in a good performance. But all the quote-unquote hate, this is my favorite word, the Areola hate. There's no Areola hate. There's people watching him play over and over and over again and saying this guy is not doing the job. And just because he does it once, 
that doesn't absolve him of all the pre-data that we have that says, oh, he didn't play well for all those games. Now, listen, if Paul Ariola starts putting in these kind of performances regularly, I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with him, right? Look, no. at, let's, let's take Walker Zimmerman, and I'll take an L on Zimmerman. I said last year before the Gold Cup, I don't think Zimmerman is really USMNT quality defender, right? He's been really solid ever since. And to be fair, Greg wasn't using him much either before the Gold Cup. But ever since World Cup qualifying, he wasn't in the September window. He came to the October window only after John Brooks was hurt. And he's barely put a foot wrong in the last, you know, few months. And most of the fan base can see that. And so people are happy to have Zimmerman there. There's no Zimmerman slander. No one's saying get Zimmerman off this team just because he plays in MLS, right? So again, if Paul Ariola starts putting in those performances, great. We'd love to have more options at the wing. I don't know. Right now, all the data says this is a this is an exception rather than a rule sort of a game. And so I will reserve judgment until I see that more consistently from Ariola. But that he doesn't has, take away. He has to at least put up one performance like that every three games, something yeah. like at least, right? Yeah. But 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 it seems like it's one performance like that every 20 games. Yeah. And I'm sorry, in the national team level, especially that. You don't even have that amount of games sometimes in a year. No. So it's almost like every two years he has them. So let's cut off the nonsense. And um, also, sometimes it's good to ignore those accounts because we got to remember their salary is paid by MLS. So they kind of don't have an option to, to yeah. say otherwise. Yeah. I also think we need to not overreact to one game. We have a very short-term memory sometimes as USMNT fans. We watch the last game and we make a lot of um, like hard and firm decisions on you know based on data from that one game when oftentimes what we need to do is go let's wait and see let's wait and see how consistent this is you know now pete uh costa rica game all right let's mm -hmm. move on from this one here uh panama we talked about a lot in our channels um and now we talked a little about here the costa rica game is coming up this wednesday uh this episode should be out on tuesday so 24 hours beforehand uh it's a tricky game right because not not tricking the sense of like we have a lot to well we do have a lot to lose if we lose seven zero right six zero but my whole the it, it just has weird vibes to this game because <laughs> it could have been a game that meant nothing or it could have yeah. been a game that meant everything and then yeah. we got something weird in between that I don't even know what to say it's it kind of essentially like, means nothing though it does but at the same time it's kind of like holding us back from actually just like screaming that we're in Qatar we we're, we're saying we're there. But it right. almost it's seemed anticlimactic. Yes, it kind of ruined the whole party at Orlando. <laughs> they had a whole banner ready, the players, but it ruined it because, like, yeah, you can't celebrate yet because if Costa Didn't Rica they bring the banner up though, they went out with it for a bit, yeah, and then he took it out. Yeah, it feels weird to put that up until you are one hundred percent qualified because that speaks of arrogance to me. It's like oh, nothing is impossible. Okay, nothing is impossible. I don't think Costa Rica is going to be the six nil. Let's be fair, but you don't want to go with a mindset of we're already qualified right? Because you also want to go with the mindset of we're not happy with third place. Why should we be happy with third place? We're the United States. We should at, at least try to get second. We should be We should be at first. And we still have a chance to get first, right? Are we three points behind Canada? Yeah, we could reach the Canada. So technically, if we beat Costa Rica and results, Mexico, uh, Canada plays Elsa, uh, Panama away. Panama has nothing to fight for anymore. I'm not saying, you know, they're not going to win or whatever, but anything can happen, right? So what if Panama loses? I mean, what if Canada loses? What if Mexico loses or even draws? Now we have a chance to be first, at least have a chance to be second and be above Mexico. I think this is a stamp your authority on the region game to like not finishing third is the last automatic qualifying place. It is the bare minimum of competence, in my opinion. Oh, we qualified in third. That's not good. Not That's just that. The bare minimum. But not just that, we can add more to it. This is almost the perfect scenario, perfect storm for us to finally break this curse and win in Costa Rica, yeah. right? They're, they're, supposedly, they're going to rest a lot of main players that are on a yellow because that game, the, the suspension carries on to the Inter-Confederate playoffs against Oceania. So it's I, I know this would be a win with a little star mark on it. It's like, yeah, it wasn't sure. really there, but, but, but who gives a crap? Just win it. Get this win. Break this curse. Get the win. Make like it's making a statement too, right? If you want to change the way the world sees U.S. soccer, it starts in your region. 
Yes. Right. You have to be the team that your region fears and doesn't want to play against, right? Like yeah. Brazil, Argentina, and South America. Right. Then after that, you translate it to the world stage. And Costa Rica is not afraid of us when we go play at their home. They're not. No. And I think it's about damn time they start being. And it starts by finally winning a game there. It doesn't matter if they're going to rest Joe Campbell or, or whatever it is. And yeah. Brian Ruiz is 250 years old. We need to go there to get a win. Now, understand one thing. When I, I think... I don't know if you're going to agree with me in this. I think we should play our best players so long the medical staff and everyone says, hey, Greg, they're good to go full night. Right, check. Some of, them played, some of them played two games in a row. Maybe the medical staff's like, hey, hold it down to 30. Yeah, that I'm not for. We shouldn't really um, put a player in risk of injury. If it was a game to qualify us that was massive and we needed a draw and thing, yeah, sure, we got to do it. But let's say they say, hey, Greg, Pulisic, probably best to hold him to 30 minutes due to muscle injury. He played two games, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Yeah. Put him on the you bench. You want to risk him getting injured now. But everyone that the medical staff says, hey, fully fit, yeah. play your best. Play your I best agree. and go to win. Also, our CONCACAF away record in this qualifying is terrible. We've only won one game against Honduras. Does Every other game count? we drew or lost. <laughs> so this is our chance to at least make it slightly better. Come on, we haven't won. We've won one game out of so far seven. Come on, we, we at least can we make that two? So it's not so terrible. We need to get better at playing away, and it starts with the mentality. It starts with, oh, we only need to go there and lose, and that's fine. It won't affect our standing. No, we're the United States. We need to go there. We need to um, a. We need to win, and we need to be convincing in our performance, and we need to, like you said, break the curse of playing in in Costa Rica. Now, one thing else to also to add, and this might play against us actually, Costa Rica will be resting obviously some of these veterans, mm -hmm. and apparently they're going to play some young guys. And yeah. the way I see it is this: I could see Costa Rica needing to beat the U.S. six zero, and maybe some veterans just not be very motivated. It's just kind of like we're not going to do it, so I'm not going to yeah. put an effort. Let's just hold it back. I don't want to get injured. But the young guys, it's different because these yeah. guys are probably fighting for a spot at the next roster, fighting for yeah. a spot in their club, fighting for a spot in the World Cup. So we might actually face a Costa Rican side with this rotation they might do that maybe it'll lack quality in terms of the starters, but it'll have a lot of effort and they're not going to want to lose at home due to pride. So, yeah, it, it look, um, as much as we're saying this is the perfect storm for us to win. This is going to be one tough matchup. These guys are not going to hold back. So, yes, yeah. if we want to win, we do have to play our best lineup. I personally don't think we would win this game if we go with Rodon in the midfield, Ariel on the right wing, Morris on the left wing. Uh, no. We're going to have to go with good players, right? And yeah. Tim Weah rested against yes. Panama. So start him. Gio Reyna played only 45. Maybe he yeah. can start. Uh, Pulisic maybe starts off the bench. I don't know. It's been um, 10 days since Gio Reyna played 90 minutes for Dortmund at this point. Yes. I don't think there's any reason to not start him. And he's looking pretty sharp. So He's looking very sharp. Musa um, maybe starts off the bench. I don't know. He kind of gassed out both games. That yeah. was kind of weird. So De La Torre should get another start. Yeah. So I would love to see De La Torre and Reyna together at the dual eights. I really would. Yeah. Be interesting to see. It'll be interesting. But nonetheless, to say, Pete, do you want to. There's anything else you want to say about this game or give a score prediction? I just um, want to give my lineup that I would go with. You would um, go or what you think Greg will do? I have no idea what Greg's going to do, man. I suspect he might have some subs to try to give some minutes to some of his fringe guys. I have that feeling. But I would go with what I want to do. Okay. Uh, tell me what you would go and I'll, I'll, I'm going to do it on the spot here of what I yeah. would do. But go first. I'd go Horvath and goal. I think Stefan, I don't know if he was injured or if he just looked a little shaky in some moments. Don't get me wrong. He was fine against Panama. Um, but I think it would be a good time to give Ethan Horvath another chance. You know what I mean? Again, we keep hearing about experience, not enough experience for certain players. You have an opportunity to give him experience. And the drop-off from Stefan to Horvath, I don't really think there's much, if any, to be honest. Okay? So I would go Horvath to give him that opportunity. Um, but the back four, I would go DeAndre Yedlin. Anthony Robinson, Walker Zimmerman, and Miles Robinson. I would keep the back four the same with maybe give Eric Palmer Brown 30 minutes at the end um, to try uh, to give he, him some experience. You're, you're just one thing. You're also assuming the medical staff said play them, sure. right? Anthony, yeah. The reason I have A-Rob there, even though he played 90 minutes twice, 
is that in other qualifiers, he's gone 90 minutes three times in a row. He's one of the players who can do that. So I would still have him there. Um, and then in midfield, I would have Tyler Adams, Gio Reyna, and Luca De La Torre. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a very – because I think Costa Rica is going to not bunker, but they're going to play more conservatively than Panama. And I think Reyna and DLT together are very good at breaking down a block and can, and can be really incisive with their passes. I would play Pulisic again, probably not the full 90 minutes unless he's got an injury. Uh, Pulisic on the left, Tim Weah absolutely on the right. He only played, what, 60 minutes in the first game and didn't play at all in this last one. And then I would give Pepe another chance up top. I think this could be a good game for Pepe to get some confidence. So I would I would go with the same lineup you went, especially the midfield. I would change one thing, two things actually. Instead of Pepe, because I think this game might be actually more of a problem for Pepe than to gain confidence because Costa Rica is not going to be easy to score on, right? They haven't been the entire campaign. I would actually give PFOC another chance because okay. I I also look, like I said, it's not a player that I rate very highly. We were scoring a lot in Switzerland, and the image we have of him is that miss with Mexico, right? Yeah. And maybe that is him. Maybe he is like that. Yeah. But it, it would be kind of sad if that's like the last image he leaves and we never give another shot. It's like, hey, here's your another chance, okay? Yeah. You messed up there. So I would start PFOC, and Pepe would be probably my sub. Um, PFOC, look, 60 minutes to see what you can do, man. 60, and then Pepe the final 30. Yeah. Uh and I would I would actually start Palmer Brown. I would um You'd give him a shot instead of who? Yeah. Next to uh Walker. Walker okay. would keep him in and I would start um Palmer Brown to to give him more minutes and see what he can actually do from the get go. Yeah. Uh besides that I would go with everyone you mentioned um Oh no no sorry. I would actually keep Zach too as long you as he's healthy. I would just I would just keep him, yeah. Okay. Goalkeeper is the position of trust. If the goalkeeper is doing it, you keep him there. And at the game that you talked about, he got he had a collision in the beginning of the game that he hit yeah. Walker, and he kept. I, I saw this every time they were not. He kept messing with his neck a lot. It's well, like, that's why. That's one of the reasons I would sub him. It's like he's so injury prone. He just came back from a back, uh, uh, a shoulder injury or a back injury with Man City. He's been injured a lot, you know. And if he's out for the World Cup for whatever reason. We need to make sure the guys behind him have enough experience. And I think it's time to give Horvath that chance. Could be. I was going to just keep going with Zach. And then in Nations League, I my, my plan would be to start Horvath all the games, right? Yeah. Continu continuity. That. Continuity. Yeah. Let him start all of them. Here right now, Zach, you start them all. Horvath them all. You got two options. And then Matt Turner can be a number two or a three right there. Personally, maybe be the three. Uh so yeah, that that'll be my lineup too. And and in terms of score prediction, what what are you thinking? I'm just gonna go one one. I don't know if Greg is going to do the things that we say. I think more likely, I don't know if we'll see Ariola again, or if we do, I think we'll see Gio Reyna on the left, or no, we might see Tim Weah on the left and Ariola on the right. I don't know what he's gonna do. I don't know if he's gonna start Pulisic again. I think we might see Rodan in midfield. So if we, I don't know if if we're gonna be able to get a win that way. Uh, we will see what Greg does. I think we're going to end up getting a 1-1 draw. I actually, I did a preview of my channel that I'm going to release. Well, today, it's going to be released today on Tuesday with the pike. I said 1-1 as well. So it's already recorded, just so no one says I copied it. I recorded okay. before, but I said 1-1 also. Uh, I think that's like the most reasonable. You know, you never know, but it yeah. seems more reasonable. Also, Costa Rica is not a very, it's not a team that scores a lot. So no. one goal is about as much as I can see them scoring on a, a strong defense that the United States has. The, the other the, thing to keep in mind, dude, is that we have four points so far in this window. If we lose in Costa Rica, this is our worst window in terms of points. I know we qualify in this window, so that sort of covers everything up. But we shouldn't be happy with a four-point window. We also shouldn't be happy with a five-point window out of nine. Okay, come on. Let's go get our first seven-point window. Right? We don't have a single seven-point window in World Cup qualifying. Not one. Canada has a nine-point window. Let's go win in Costa Rica and get seven points and try to climb the table. Let's try to get ahead of Mexico. Because if we beat Mexico in two finals, remain unbeaten against them in World Cup qualifying, and finish above them in the Ocho, there is absolutely no question who is the better team. Also, it's just what we said. Like, Mexico likely will get seven points this window. Right. Likely. And they have equal um, points as we do. So, we, but we have a better goal difference. So, if we win, we're guaranteed second, at least. Yeah, yeah. And 
Nonetheless to say, we can go now just real quick. So CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, as it all indicates, unless there's a complete meltdown of, of the United States on Wednesday, Canada, U.S., and Mexico, the three host nations of 2026, are going to go directly to Qatar. And the fourth seed will be Costa Rica that will face an Oceania nation, which likely will be New Zealand, but we don't know yeah. yet. Um, yeah. With that said, we, we do have the the World Cup group stage draw this Friday, April 1st. And this is not an April Fool's joke. It's <laughs> actually this Friday. We're going to be doing a live stream at Pete's channel. We're going to do a post live stream on my channel uh, yeah. addressing our analysis and and the good thing is we do know quite a bit about international soccer because of living abroad. And and me, I have a lot of friends in South America and Brazil. So it'll be an interesting one. You guys don't want to miss out that on both channels, Tactical Manager and the 11 Yanks. But so the situation right now, based on reports that they sent, was the United States and Mexico, okay, if they qualify directly to Qatar, which, as we just said, it is what's going to happen, yeah. they are guaranteed pot two. Okay, yeah. so we're going to be pot two because we're going to finish top three. Canada is a mystery still. It looks like they can be pot three or pot four. Uh, we yeah. don't know. Costa Rica in fourth place, if they qualify, it'll be yeah. pot four. Yeah. So with that said, so just so everyone understands, and I'm going to go through a couple national teams here. Pot one is the host nation plus the top seven nations in the world according to the FIFA ranking. So, for example, yes. right now, right right now would be Pete. I'm going to just read out for you a few names. Belgium, Brazil, France, Argentina, England, Italy, but Italy won't go, so we cancel them out. And then yeah. Spain and then Portugal would be the seventh one. And Portugal, again, at the time of this recording, they're not qualified yet. I'm right. assuming they're going to go through North Macedonia, but you never know. North Macedonia knocked out Italy. We're going to talk about that very soon. So that'll be part one. So if the United States is part two, we can be in the group of any of these teams or Qatar, which we would probably want Qatar. <laughs> <laughs> I have concerns about the refereeing for those Qatar games when it's being held in Qatar. <laughs> that is true. I mean, they did win the, the Asian Cup, right? And and many people were saying it was kind of weird. Um, so <laughs> There's some weirdness going on with Qatar. <laughs> yeah. Now... The pot two, when we look at it, uh, it looks like and, and guys, listen, I don't know. There's some different things that happen sometimes among confederations, but the pot, the pot three and four is where it gets tricky because FIFA also tries to separate teams by confederation because they don't want to put like four South Americans in the same group. Right. Right. So pot three and four gets tricky, but pot two would likely be right now. Obviously, the rankings will be updated and then I don't yeah. know, but it would be Denmark, Netherlands, Germany as a pot two. Yeah. So we avoid Germany. That's good because they're a lot better under Hansi Flick right now. Yeah. Next, if, if we get the same group as Germany, my girlfriend and I are going to have some tension going into the <laughs> going into the World Cup. By the uh, way, Germany's my second team for this World Cup. You know, U.S. is my first. If the U.S. gets knocked out, Germany's my second team. Uh, both like because Germany. my girlfriend's German, a lot of my friends are German, and also because Germany's done a lot to develop American soccer. They're the league that's given the most chances to Americans. They, you know, gave both Gio Reyna and Christian Pulisic really good starts. So Germany is my number two team that I'm rooting for. Hopefully Germany gets knocked out in the group stage. But <laughs> what's wrong with you? No. <laughs> I don't like them one bit. I don't you like don't Germany. like them because they beat you. So maybe we need a Brazil Germany uh rematch. That would be a fun stream. That, that would be a really fun. fun stream for us. That would be a fun stream. But going back here, so part two, essentially right now, and again, this is not confirmed. We're going to know on Thursday probably, right, or Friday. Yeah. We, Thursday probably will know the pots already. Friday's the draw. So Denmark, Netherlands, Germany, Mexico, and U.S., that's five. And then Switzerland and Croatia would be the that's other two. But I'll teams. tell you one thing, Pete. Uh, Uruguay might sneak in there in this yeah. ranking. And then that means Switzerland or Croatia would be the ones to be dropped. Because Uruguay that qualified directly through common ball. We're also going to talk about that very soon. Yeah. So, now, guys, just real quick to clarify about the Friday. We, we will do a live stream following the draw, okay, on my channel. So, we'll be reacting to it in live time, just like a live watch along, but for the draw. And then immediately after the draw is over, we go to Tech's channel and we're going to start giving, we're going to discuss obviously the group that the U.S. got. We might discuss some of the other CONCACAF teams. Who did Mexico get? Who did Canada get? 
Brazil. But we're also going to start our, our giving our early, way too early predictions of who's going to make it out of each group first and second and just have a look at the groups because it'll be fun. The World Cup starts now, right? As of April 1st, the buildup starts here. And I'm already psyched, Tack. I'm we, already psyched. We need, when the draw is out this weekend, like Friday, right? We yeah. need to make the whole bracket. And then when the World Cup is close to ending, maybe like the quarterfinals, which we already have a, like a big picture of how it's going to end, kind of. Yeah. We need to go back to our bracket. Go we'll back to our bracket that. and see where we're at. Yeah, like <laughs> months before. Oh, imagine. Oh, it's going to be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be terrible. <laughs> no. but, but yeah, so guys, looking forward to seeing you all there on Friday for the streams. But just to add here, so so that means in pot three, which could land in the United States group, you could see Uruguay, Croatia, Switzerland, Senegal could be there, Colombia if they qualify over Peru or Peru, Iran, which is a pretty tough team to face as well, Poland yeah. if they qualify. So there's some tough teams, Japan, uh, South Korea. Uh, there's some tough teams. I know Canada won't be in our group because they will separate the confederation, as I said. Yeah, we uh, won't face Canada or Mexico. Not yeah, but, day, well, Mexico is also in the same pot as us. But Canada, right. even though Canada is in this a different pot, so right. technically they could get drawn into us. Uh, FIFA does split up the confederations. The only confederation they allow to have more than one nation in the team is yeah. UEFA because they also have like half the spots almost. Yeah, so. <laughs> apparently not enough. Apparently, yeah, not yeah enough. I remember. There's people that still think, hey, maybe we should put even more UF. It's like, yeah, sure. What do you guys want? The Euros of Brazil and Argentina? That's what That's you guys want? That's essentially what most people want. Uh, yeah. Not most people, but certain Europeans want that. And they'll let Uruguay sneak in from time to time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But but yeah, that's guys. That's a very short preview and overlook of the the group stage draw. Uh, once the World Cup qualifying is officially over for US and we're all set, uh, expect that at the channel. And obviously, here in the podcast, we're probably going to have an episode on next week where we're going to talk more about this. Yes, uh, we'll definitely talk more about this. It'll be a regular theme of for for this is so exciting, Tack. We qualified pretty much, and now the hype starts today, guys. The US is back at a World Cup. And even if the U.S. is not, the World Cup is always fun. Every four years, we get together and celebrate soccer, and and the hype starts now. I'm super pumped. I'm super pumped. Am I allowed to curse here? Am yeah. I allowed to curse here? Yeah, I was I just so. going to say, I can just see myself, like, yelling shit during the draw when I see <laughs> in, in the United States, in Brazil's group, and the part two is the United States. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brazil and the U.S. Well, then we just have yeah. to hope both those two teams qualify from the group. That would be wonderful because then they wouldn't face each other again in the knockout rounds. And I, I, I would actually hate it more if they faced each other in the knockout rounds because then right. that would mean one would actually knock the other out. Also, yes. there's one thing good to point out because if Brazil's pot one and the U.S. is pot two, that means they face each other in the last game. So if Brazil wins their two games, which should happen against pot three and four, and the U.S. maybe gets four points or maybe gets... Uh, maybe six points if we yeah. get four brazil has this habit and tendency of resting their starters in the last game because yeah. they're usually qualified so if the u.s faces a brazil b team needing a draw that's not bad we would probably be able to pull it off and yeah so, but, but, but anyhow um hopefully that doesn't even happen they like they're like in complete opposite sides and i don't have to deal with that that nonsense yeah but be with that said, we pretty much talked about CONCACAF, World Cup, and now we can go through our little section of every podcast that we we talk about world soccer as a whole, right? We go through the qualifiers or, or Champions League, and and there's a lot happening, right? Yeah. Because there's just a lot going on in terms of qualifying. And I think the first one we can talk about is UEFA, because it'll mm -hmm. be a little bit quicker, right? And you mentioned it in the beginning of the podcast. Italy is out of the World Cup once again. Probably top three most traditional legendary national teams of all time alongside Germany and Brazil. Winners yeah. of the 2006 World Cup. Winners of the last Euro Cup. Yeah. And and they're out. They're, they're not going again. Since 2006, they haven't gone through the group stage or they haven't qualified to the World yeah. Cup. They haven't but played you a knockout round at the World Cup since 2006. And that should tell you a lot more about who Italy actually is rather than this last Euros, which is a snapshot of a moment. It's a microcosm. I would say it's an outlier. It's like a Paul Ariola performance. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So they're the, are they the Paul Ariola of Europe? 
our Italy, the Paul Ariola of Europe. That should be the the name of this podcast. <laughs> that kind of that kind of the Paul Ariola, but I mean that's I mean Paul Ariola would say thank you. It's like you guys are comparing me to the Italian national team. Like, yeah, I mean, pretty damn. So good I think at- with Italy, what you're saying is 100 percent right. 2010 knocked out of the group stage. 2014 knocked out of the group stage. 2018 didn't qualify. 2022 didn't qualify. Can we just say Italy's not that good? They're not, they're not the team that won four World Cups before, right? Italy's success, if you look at history, Italy's success has been based on one thing, defense. They've always been the best defenders. The whole catenaccio comes is an Italian term. We're going to defend for our lives, right? And then we're going to try to score on a set piece or score on a, on a, on a counterattack. And that's not good enough in world soccer anymore. They're pl- look at their, also look at their players. I mean, their front three... They didn't have Chiesa, okay, against Macedonia. So their front three was Insigne, who's old or older. I don't say he's old. He's on his way to Toronto. This guy's in retirement mode thinking already, okay? Immobile, 30 years old. Uh, Giorginio, all of their guys play in Italy, okay? All of, almost all of their entire roster plays in Italy outside of, you know, Verratti and Giorginio and a few other, one or two other guys. But the Italian league is not that good anymore, right? The last time the Italian won the Champions League was in 2006. That was AC Milan. No, no. In, uh, or, oh, 2010, Inter. That was the last Oh, I'm one. sorry. 2010. Okay. So in 2010, they, they won. But that's 12 years ago. And they've only made the final twice since then. And that was Juve, right? They, haven't, they don't make semifinals on a regular basis. They don't compete. They're not as good anymore. They're still based on old thinking. And you look at Spain, Germany, France, England, they've all overhauled their youth teams and they've all or overhauled their youth development processes. Italy has not done that. They're still producing players, but those p- players are not at the same level as the global superstars, right? That's why not you don't have Ronaldo and Messi or even Neymar level players. Like if their best attacker is Chiesa, he's a good forward for Juve, but he's not a top 20 you know, forward in the world, in my opinion, if you include wingers, right? So Italy's big mistake was they didn't top their group. People say CONCACAF is hard. In UEFA, you top your group or you go to the, the, the playoff, right? And they, didn't, they were two points behind Switzerland in their group. So now they have to go play North Macedonia. Should they have won? Yes. Were they extremely unlucky? Yes. But that's why you don't leave it to a 90-minute game, right? Mm-hmm. They did all those things, and then they, got, they probably got a little bit overconfident. And remember, in the Euros... They had Bonucci and Chiellini as their center backs. Those guys were not on the field. Bonucci's 35 years old. Chiellini's 37. These guys are from an era gone past, and they managed to muster it all together in the Euros. They got a little bit lucky. They beat Spain and England on um, penalties, right? And okay, this is a Euro. You can kind of come up with a good performance like that, but that's the exception, not the rule. And the young players coming through for Italy are not of the same quality they have a generation problem and this isn't going to go away soon until they overhaul their youth development. Also, I want to say one thing that Don Daruma, um, the goalkeeper, he's, yeah. he'll go down as one of the most overhyped goalkeepers of all time, right? Because he's they put him, though. give him time. He's not 18. He's 19, 19. No, he's not. He's much yeah. older than that. He, no, no, okay. no, maybe no. he's 20, but for a goalkeeper, he's still very young. Look at this. He's 23, so he's young. He's a young goalkeeper. He's a young goalkeeper, but he's not. He he can improve too, but I'm sorry. 23 is still young for a keeper though, bro. It's still an overhype around him. He's not better than Keylor Navas right now. And on PSG, he cost them the qualification against Real Madrid. That was his fault. And now, I'm sorry, that goal that North Macedonia scored, a world-class goalkeeper saves that at the 90th minute. He saves that. Buffon, he's not allowing that go in at the 90th. So yeah, he's not as good as they think. They're putting him as this new Gianluigi Buffon. And then you look at the Italian national team, not just all the problems you mentioned. When we go in the past, they didn't have good players. They had the best players. You go mm-hmm. back to Barezi, Andrea yeah. Pirlo. Gattuso was one of the best sixes in the world. Pirlo. Then up top... Then up top two, you look Francesco Totti, um, Del Piero, Vieri. So it was a different level. These players were better at their time than the current ones now. Now, when you talked about the Euros, the Euros is a short tournament, right? 
just like the World Cup. And we saw Croatia punch above their weight by making to the World Cup final because they caught the right tactics, form, and momentum, right? They got all of that. Italy is a high-quality team. I would even say on paper, better than that Croatian side in terms of the overall team, even though they don't have a player the same level as Modric, as an overall team, they're a better team. Yeah, They caught good form during the tournament. They were experienced. They knew how to deal with their opponents. And they won it because it's a little short. they based it on defending, on attacking. They based it on defending. Good transitions too, right? Insigne was playing well. And the World Cup, that can happen a lot. A team can catch can catch fire, get super hot, and make a deep run. Now, U-S-A. also Italy. You. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Who, knows? Who, knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who am I to say? Who am I to say we're not going to win the next World Cup? Who am I to say that? You're not. Yeah, you might. You might be right. You might be right. Yeah. So. Italy just it's just not they're not the Italian team we think we some people thought they were back when they won the Euros but it just isn't and they're out they lost to North Macedonia and honestly I know we're talking about how North Macedonia could knock out Portugal it's not gonna happen it's not gonna happen I'm telling it right now and I can become a meme you guys can clip it this Portuguese team is very pragmatic I've been following them quite a bit and they to be fair they 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 could have lost to Turkey, right? Um, Yuma's lost to Mr. PK. That would have yeah. tied the game, and that could have changed everything. But with Ronaldo's leadership, uh, the quality players they have, they're not going to drop the ball on this one. So who are they're they playing go- in the next game? They're playing North Macedonia, and they North qualify Macedonia. if they win that game? Yes, okay. I, they're going to go through, yeah. in my opinion. They're going to go through. Uh, and that will be another team to qualify. The other UEFA game that's going to happen also this Tuesday, which by the time you guys are listening to this, the games are probably happening or yeah. finishing or done. Yeah. Uh, the other one is Poland and Sweden. Um, quite an interesting one, right? So Poland had to change their coach right before the playoffs. Wow. Flamengo from Brazil just took their coach. I think they paid the fine and he accepted and he left. Right, the coach they had, which is it's it's weird. Now Poland, they qualified to this next game by default, right? Because they were going to face Russia, mm. and Russia was pulled off of the the, the qualifiers. Yeah, and Poland is going to face Switzerland. Uh, sorry, not Switzerland. Uh, Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. I based off the Euros, I already thought Sweden was a better team. Then Poland, and then you look at Isaac to their Linda from Manchester United. Um, overall, just a better team. Forsberg from RB Leipzig. I just think they're a better team. I and have a question. Also, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish first. Yeah. No, I was just going to say. And then you have a Poland side that changed their coach, so I don't really know what they're going to look like. Rely on Lewandowski, which he doesn't always show up for them. And they mm. didn't really play a competitive match recently because they got the bye um, from Russia. Right. Uh, so my question is, it kind of looks like it's screaming that Sweden's going to go through. So we also have Scotland and Ukraine, which was postponed because of the war happening right now. Do you know when that's going to be played? It, apparently, it's going to be played near the Interconfederate playoffs. So I think it's like close to June. Oh, and wow. the winner, the winner of that will face Wales. Wales. And then winner, yeah. So there's still two more games for us to find out who that we might get in a group in the World Cup where we don't know who that third team is going to be one of the teams. You're right, because uh, Wales, Ukraine, and Scotland, like one of those three, we won't know till June, just like the 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 two other teams from the two other interconfederate playoffs. Yes, yeah. you're correct. Yep. But 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 again, just back to Poland, I'm gonna say Sweden. It just look, I could be that guy that just goes, No, Poland's gonna pull this one off. They're gonna go through. But I'm just going to go with the obvious here. I think Sweden's going to go through and go to the World Cup. And I'm kind of happy they're back. I wonder if – was Slatan back? Is he going to be back with them? I don't it? know, actually. That's a good question. Did he play he in should. that game? He, no, he didn't. But but he should. He should, he should. come back. <laughs> this, this amazing World to Cup, have him at a World Cup again. This it? World Cup can be special, Pete. One last dance. Messi, Ronaldo, Slatan, Neymar yeah, too. This apparently is the last Neymar. time we're going to see these greats ever play, you know? It could be Paul Ariola's last World Cup ever. That's what the world comes to see. Yeah, Paul Ariola. <laughs> watch him. Watch just because you said that. He's going to score like a Lyndon Donovan-like goal to qualify us. Um, and, and, and you're Out of gonna the group? Be... 
I will yeah, take I'd it hundred yeah. percent. I'll kiss his feet if he does that. Honestly, 100%. for all I care, Poriola can score a hat trick against Germany. That's dude. That would be. <laughs> can you imagine the MLS accounts? <laughs> dude, I would join them. They would say, "Oh, where's the hate now?" It's like I'm not hating on this guy. <laughs> I'm not hating on this guy anymore. He scored, he, to me, he earned a spot in the next World Cup. Bring him on the next one too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And Sweden has some good team, some good players, man. Kulusevski, Forsberg, all these guys are good players. I love Isaac. The the Isaac is amazing as well. Real to see that very talented yeah. young player. Uh, but Pete, that doesn't. Just it for too the bad US. we don't see in Norway because we're missing Odegaard and Holland. Yeah, I mean, when you only got two players, unless you're in Concacaf, uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> they there. would qualify from Concacaf, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, Norway. yeah. They probably sure. finished first in the group. <laughs> probably they'll be up there. Holland would drop a goal every game, at least. <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, uh, to close up the podcast, um, and once again, guys, if you all made it this far, uh, you can definitely leave a review. If you made it this far and you like listening to the to these two these two idiots here talk about soccer, you can definitely leave a review for these two idiots here. Um, but Pete, the common ball one, and this is one that I follow very closely. I know you kind of just skim through it usually, right? You just yeah, kind of like I'm not as well versed in common ball as you. Yeah, you know what's going on, but you definitely didn't watch the. I watched all of Brazil's games and I watched some important games and yeah. I don't know if you have questions for me or you want me to walk through what happened. Yeah, just walk us through it. What happened? Who's qualified? Who's in the playoff? Yeah. So in common ball, there's 10 nations, the top four qualified directly. The fifth place goes to the interconfederate playoffs. Brazil and Argentina completely dominated and went undefeated. They mm -hmm. obviously didn't play the match. They were going to one of the, the, the match they were going to play against each other, right? The, the one in Brazil there. Um, that one match still should be played, but I don't know what's going to happen with that, right? Brazil tried to deport some Argentine players in, and it's a big mess. We can talk about this on another podcast, but Brazil and Argentina dominated. They went undefeated. Brazil won 13 games out of 16 and tied three. Argentina won 11 out of 16 and tied five. And then third and fourth place that are locked in already and qualified are Ecuador and Uruguay. Mm. Uruguay changed coaches mid-campaign. I believe Oscar Tabárez was still their coach, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, that was there for years. And they changed and they figured it out and they qualified as expected from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. They have a lot of quality. Uh, Jimenez, the defender, uh, Godin is still playing. Mm -hmm. Luisito Suarez, Cavani, uh, Valverde, Bittencourt, Rajasqueta. They have a lot of good quality players. So we expect them to qualify. They were struggling. They made it. Ecuador is a young, promising team that at one point, they defeated Colombia 6-1 at one point in the qualifiers. Yeah, they they got this coach Gustavo Alfaro that coached Boca Boca Juniors a while back, and he completely changed them. Knew how to use the youth, have some talented players, mm -hmm. and they're more of like a dark horse underdog that could be tricky in the World Cup. Yeah, and they made it. Obviously, the altitude of Quito helped them throughout the campaign, but they're still very very capable of playing away. They're not like Bolivia, right? That Bolivia, yeah. they're they're like the the altitude merchants there in La Paz. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one it's a good name for them the altitude merchants but <laughs> but then fifth place you would expect colombia that has a lot of good players cuadrados still there james rodriguez uh the the atalanta brothers right they're not brothers but the guys that play at atalanta luis muriel and zapata um darwin nunez sorry darwin nunez is from uruguay uh who was i talking about their center forward well, Miguel Borja, that was at Palmeiras at one point. Yeti Mina Alcau doesn't play for them anymore, right? Who? Alcau? Oh, no, no. Hasn't been playing for a while. That, not that I've seen him for a while. I don't know what's going on with him. But Colombia's yeah. in sixth place right now. And Peru's in fifth. In the last cycle, Peru pulled off the, the fifth place as well. As mm -hmm. an underdog, the team, the Peruvian team is not that strong. No. It's a pretty average team, right? But they're very well coached by Ricardo Careca. And they only depend upon themselves. So the situation right now, Chile also has a chance, but I doubt they'll make it, is Peru, Colombia, and Chile are in that order, and one point separates each team to fight for that fifth seed. Yeah. With that said, all three of them face opponents that have nothing to fight for in the last round. Mm. So if we're going to go with the obvious here, technically they should all win. So... Peru would be the favorites to advance. So Chile needs 
Colombia and Peru to lose or draw and lose, drop points to go through and win their game. So Chile is in a crappy situation. Colombia only needs Peru to drop points. Mm. And Peru will be facing, if I'm not mistaken, I can check here. They're going to be facing Paraguay, but the game is in Peru. So Peru are their heavy favorites to get the fifth seed. I would be surprised if Colombia was able to pull it through, which is upsetting, Pete, because Colombia is a very strong team. I was looking Yeah, you want Colombia at the World Cup. Um, yeah, you do. You know, it, they're one of those teams that everyone is kind of a sort of a fun underdog to root for. You know, they're actually um, my I did a ranking of biggest underachievers of all time in terms of World Cup and national team level and just competitions in general. Colombia is a top three for me of underachieving. Yeah. Their big moment was 2014. That's when they had all of their talent in its prime. You know, 94, 94 was their biggest moment. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that I was, was there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know because, um, like the older people in Brazil would always tell me this, my dad and, and even people I would talk to in at work, they said that generation, the, the Igita, Valderrama, Rincon, that yeah, even once you before World Cup, Pele, there's, there's like videos of Pele saying before the 94 World Cup that Colombia was better than Brazil and they were the favorites to win the World Cup, but they got knocked out by the United States. Oh, wow. Giant Slayers, America. In the group, yeah, America, the, the Davi and Goliath. But, but so Colombia are the biggest underachievers in history, in my one of them, right? There's many other underachievers. Like, I even put Netherlands as one of the underachievers because yeah. they should have a World Cup by now. They should have yeah. had one, at yeah. least. They've gotten close. They've never won. Uh, England, I don't do it. I think they achieve exactly what they're supposed to. I think they... <laughs> Portugal. Underachiever. No World Under Cups for them. Euros, but no World Cup. Same with Holland. They have a Euro, but no World Cup. At yeah, least Portugal okay. has two Euros. No, just one Euro. They Did they not win with Eusebio in the 60s? Maybe? I don't Ooh, know. Maybe they did. I don't remember. Ronaldo <laughs> has won with them. But Ronaldo I think has won did. 2016. Yeah, Portugal had a very strong squad in 66, right, with Eusebio. And then they had the, the era here with Luis Figo and Ronaldo blending in, Deco. That was a good team, but but yeah. they, they made the semifinals and they couldn't win it. They, won a, they went to a final in 04, too. They the, lost to the Greece, Greece one. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was horrible <laughs> for them. At See, home. Greece can win a World Cup. I mean, a Euro. No, no, Cup. Euro. If Croatia can make it to the final of a World Cup, the U.S. can. Not saying we will. Not saying it's likely. I'm just saying, it, any, any, I'm going to channel my inner Ted Lasso. Anything is possible. It's seven games. It's 90 minutes. Very unlikely. But the U.S. can at least go far with the right luck and the right momentum. This team has some quality to it. Watch, people are going to clown me. They're, Pete said we're winning the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're done now. You're going to, like, uh, Mexico. <laughs> Mexico fan is going to clip that and just say how Americans are delusional, even though you're, like, joking completely. Not joking, but you're more you're more towards joking. You're, you're, joking. Your overall point joking. is it's a short competition that uh, unexpected things happen. But, no, yes. I would never bet money that the U.S. is going to win 2022 or even 2026. Probably no. not even 2030. We're still a long we way a to long go. Way to but let's be realistic. I think quarterfinal is a good goal for us to have. I'm not saying it's like easy, but I think it's a good, a high enough goal, a high enough but realistic goal to set for ourselves. I and I would say 2026 playing at home, saying semifinals semi is not yeah. delusional. Is not delusional. No. Um, obviously, sure you you could get a crappy matchup in the quarterfinals and then get knocked out, but it's not crazy to say no. semifinals. No. But but Pete. Anything else you want to add? We're reaching about an hour in the episode. I think we, we talked a lot of the time. Yeah, kind I think of an hour is plenty. We don't want to like take up too much time. But yeah, so everyone, thank you everyone, everyone that tuned in, everyone that left the review, everyone that's enjoying the podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoy this different style that me and Pete have here where we, we talk a little about world soccer. We expand yeah. it. And make sure to, that, to stay around because we will be talking about international club soccer as well, not just international. Yeah. National Champions team League. CONCACAF yep. and UEFA are both going to be important in the coming weeks. So, yep. Yeah, you guys will learn a lot from South American soccer too through me because I can go on for a while and I know yeah. there's not many English content. But, Pete, your time to close the episode because I opened it. Oh, all right. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. Thanks for all the ratings and reviews. Like Tack said, we will read out some of those reviews next week. We try to do one in every episode, but 
we're a little swamped this week because of everything going on, but uh, we're gonna try to read one positive review every week. And it really means a lot to us. And you know, this is sort of the equivalent of YouTube like and subscribe. This is sort of that call to action where if you give us a five star and a review, whether it's Spotify or Apple or Google Podcasts or Stitcher, whatever you listen on, they rank us higher because of the amount of reviews that we have, which helps more people to find us. So it really does us a favor and it only costs you a minute or two of your time. Thank you very so much, everyone. And see you all next week.